Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome, everybody, to the SI Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trena. Thanks for joining me. Last week, Ryan Rosillo was on the show. Great feedback. A lot of uh, good talk about that, and I appreciate everyone listening. This week, two guests. We can start things off with former Cleveland Browns player Joe Thomas, who's transitioning now into sports media. So, Joe, he was excellent. We did the interview and tons of insight, uh, very interesting perspective of an ex-player uh, on football and the media. So Joe talks about his transition going into sports media. He's going to be working for the NFL Network. He has a podcast. Uh, he talks about what happened with ESPN and Fox. He had auditioned for both to do games. He gives you the whole story there. And then he talks about the Browns. They're supposed to be a lot better this year. He was there when they won zero games last year. And Hard Knocks, Baker Mayfield, we get into all that. And then Kyle Brandt from the NFL Network joins us from Good Morning Football. He was on with his whole cast just a few weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. He's on solo today because he's getting a new solo show on the NFL Network. And uh, it sounds very interesting. It's called the Kyle Brandt Football Experience. It has Fridays at 6 p.m. And uh, Kyle explains the show. It's going to be a lot of retro stuff as well as looking to that week's games. But the retro stuff sounds really interesting. So uh, Kyle comes on to tell us about that. And he's always an awesome guest because he just has no filter and we love that so joe thomas first kyle brandt second big nfl show as the season gets underway next week as of now things can change but as of now fox's lead college football play-by-play man gus johnson is supposed to be on the si media podcast so we're looking forward to that in a big way but before gus johnson we have joe thomas and kyle brandt here is joe thomas 
All right, joining me now, looking forward to this, been trying to get him on the podcast for a while, former Browns offensive lineman and very funny guy, especially if you follow him on Twitter. If you don't, you better get on it. And uh, he had quite a career, Joe Thomas. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jimmy. My pleasure, my pleasure. Um, I want to talk to you about getting into broadcasting. A lot of people thought that would happen, but since you're just coming off your final season in the NFL with the Browns after 11 seasons there, what was it like watching Hard Knocks? Did did Hard Knocks give you pangs of, oh, I wish I was on, I I wish I was there for that, or did it make you happy you weren't there for that? I had a little bit of each. I had the times when I was watching uh, the practice and I felt like, man, I could be out there. I could be helping my team. Um, You have those moments that you miss in the locker room or on the field, the camaraderie that you share with your teammates, the brotherhood. Those are the things that you can't get anywhere else in life. And so those are the moments that I missed it. But then, of course, you watch – um, the practice and you watch the injuries and you remember the feelings that your body had, especially those last few years in the NFL of when you go through those practices and how much pain you were in, how much it hurt. And uh, I think it was pretty easy then to be able to turn the TV off and feel really good and comfortable about where I was in my life and not having football on my radar anymore. So tell me, you can probably answer this a little more honestly now that you're not playing. The depiction we see in Hard Knocks, obviously it is edited, it is put together, but is that pretty much what camp is like? Is that pretty much um, an accurate depiction of NFL locker rooms, NFL practices, or is it a little maybe watered down for TV? Well, I think it's a little bit watered down you don't see a lot of the boring moments. A lot of training camp is, is repetitive and it's boring and it's uh, long, endless hours of film study. And so you get to see a little bit of the highlights. But I think HBO does a good job overall trying to encapsulate what a training camp week looks like in only one hour of TV. So I think they do as well as they possibly can with a really difficult job. And was there anything, I mean, the stars, I think, that ended up coming out of this season, uh, Bob Wiley, the offensive line coach, Carl Nassib, uh, Brogan Roback, uh, were, were you surprised by any of that, or none of that surprised you over, based on your experiences with, especially, I guess, Wiley and, and um, Nassib? Well, going into Hard Knocks, I got an opportunity to be on the NFL Network right before the first show aired. And I said that my hard knock sleeper hero was going to be Bob Wiley. Uh, Just being in the room with him, knowing who he is as a person, as a personality, uh, I knew how much people were going to be drawn to him. I knew how funny and interesting they were going to find him. So for me, it was no surprise that Bob Wiley became one of the stars. Um, I did not know Devin Kajust. And I knew Carl Nassib really well, and I thought he was really funny, but I really didn't know that he was going to become one of the focuses of Hard Knocks. Right. Uh, I guess uh, hearing the conversation about 10% interest and how that kind of ran like wildflower, uh, wildfire through the, uh, the country was pretty interesting, and I could see how after he makes some of those comments 
that he became an interesting character. But uh, I definitely knew Bob Wiley was going to be one of those guys, and I wasn't as sure about the other one. So you you were with the Browns for 11 seasons. At one point, you took 10,363 consecutive snaps. What is the Joe Thomas philosophy on stretching? <laughs> well, I'm actually on the other end of the spectrum from where Bob Wiley is. I'm a big believer in stretching, mobility. Actually, I started doing yoga early on in my career. Wow. And I give that a lot of credit for being able to help with my durability. And I think that was a big reason why I was able to play as many snaps in a row as I was. And to be able to play 11 years in the NFL, I think everybody is individually different. And so it's impossible to compare two guys that played 11 years. But I think I was able to really squeeze as much out of my body in the NFL as, as I possibly could. And I give a lot of that credit towards the yoga and the uh, off-season work that I did. Now, I, I know since you've retired from the NFL, you've lost 70 pounds. Is that accurate? I'm down to about 255 right now. And I, my last year, I played at 300, but I was as high as 325 at one point in my career. So I'm down somewhere in that 45 to 70 pound range. And are you still doing the yoga? Yeah, I try to do yoga two or three days a week. That's one of the cardio exercises that I get because my knees are too bad. My back's too bad to run. And so I can't do any running for cardio. So I'm a swimming yoga, a little bit of bike type of guy. And what have you done with your diet to, to have the uh, 50, I mean, I would just, you know, I would, I would assume once someone is out of the NFL, they put on the pounds, not drop the pounds. So <laughs> what happened there? It seems, yeah, it seems NFL offensive linemen usually go one way or the other. Usually they're guys like me who had to eat a lot, had to eat a lot of bad stuff to put the weight on to be an offensive lineman or they're guys that were really big that had to lose the weight to get down to that 300 range. And I was lucky. I was a guy that always had to gain weight. So I ate really poorly. Uh, during my NFL career, I mean, I was eating anything that had high calories and lots of sugar. And uh, so once I kind of cut back on that and just yeah. started eating more sensible, it was easy to kind of lose that first 25, 30 pounds. And then from there, I kind of just cut my carbs back and was a little bit smarter about the things that I was eating and the time of day that I was eating instead of eating really late at night. I was trying to eat my meals more of a normal breakfast, lunch, and dinner time. And uh, that that really was a big help in kind of losing that next 20 pounds yeah and anytime you ask anyone how they lost weight the answer is always cut back on the carbs which for a big italian guy who has to lose a lot of weight like myself it just brings a tear to my eye because i know that's what i'm gonna have to do and i just i can't do it it's like such an addiction yeah, man. um yeah so everyone everyone thought when you were done with the browns you'd immediately go right into media i know you tried out for monday night football if i'm not mistaken um what what happened there was it just not a fit this year? Is it something down the road, like calling games? You Is something you think you'll yeah, end up so doing? I auditioned for the Thursday night opening, and then I auditioned for the Monday night opening. And I don't know, I was maybe one of five to ten guys that auditioned for each of those uh, roles. And for me, it was something that I'd never done before, no coaching, nothing. And I really was green, but I appreciated the opportunity. I thought I did a a good job with it. I thought I left an imprint on both uh, Fox and ESPN. And, um, both of them offered me analyst roles. Um, you know, Fox offered me some, some color games uh, in the booth, and ESPN offered me the same thing. 
uh, in different capacities. So uh, I feel like I did well enough where they offered me a job. But as you know, uh, with Fox, they gave Joe Buck and Troy Aikman their Thursday night games. Right. And then with uh, ESPN, they hired Jason Witten to do the role. And uh, there's only there's only one guy that gets that job. So, you know, while I was disappointed I didn't get the job, uh, being that I was really green and didn't really know what I was doing, I uh, wasn't surprised by it that they decided to hire Jason Witten. And I'm excited to see how he do- does. I think he's going to do a great job. And uh, I'm excited to watch Monday Night Football this year. So, so you were offered – so at one point you were offered – you thought you might be offered the Fox Thursday night job and the ESPN Monday night job, and then it just it just didn't pan out. Is would it be accurate to say you were offered those, or there were no offers? No, 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 no. no. I, I if if I said that I was offered those jobs, I I apologize for no, misleading no. you and, and your uh, your viewers you, here. But you tried no, out. I uh, I did not. I I auditioned, auditioned. for both of those right, jobs. Right. Audition. I didn't get offered the Monday night job, and I was not offered the Thursday night job. Uh, because, like I said, the Thursday night gig went to Joe right. uh, Buck and, and Troy Aikman. Right. They slid those guys over, so they didn't hire anybody that they auditioned. And then Monday night they hired Jason Witten, but both of those networks uh, offered me jobs for other, other gigs roles within right. Right. other roles within their network doing games and other things. But um, I felt that for me this year, the first year out, I didn't really want to get into – any full-time gigs right away. I kind of wanted to just nibble at the apple a little bit, uh-huh. take some time away, work on my podcast, the Tomahawk show, work on some of these other gigs that I've got going on and, and figure out what I really love before I jump into a full-time gig. And so Interesting. Uh, next year we'll see what, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll have that passion to get into a booth and actually call a game. Um, but I just wanted to take my time. I didn't want to jump into anything. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, down the road a year two years let's say one of the networks comes calling uh do you and they offer you let's say a studio job are you only looking to do games would you do studio or you know you just said you know you're not gonna you're gonna take this year to not do it and think about what you want to do maybe you haven't determined that yet but doing games doing studio do you have a preference do you not care either way so right now I'm actually getting close to kind of finalizing what my schedule is going to look like for the next nine months. And I'm, I'm really excited about it because really I kind of have been able to get everything that I wanted. I'm still doing my podcast, the Tomahawk show, which was a really well-received podcast with Andrew Hawkins last year. And we're going to build that thing into a, one of the biggest podcasts in, in the sports sector. Right. Um, I'm pretty close to finalizing and deal with NFL network. I'm going to do some analyst uh, work with them with total access. And then I'm also going to do some of their Thursday night pregame, halftime, oh, and cool. postgame work, mm-hmm. which is really exciting for me to be able to still be on location from a game, even though I'm not calling it from the booth. I'm still involved in that whole game day pageantry and atmosphere, which is really exciting for me. Right. Um, and then I'm, I'm looking to do some local radio and uh, TV work in Wisconsin and uh, in Cleveland with the Browns. So I feel like I've got a little bit of everything and I'm going to be able to kind of dabble and dip my toe in a bunch of different areas in the media space. And I think it's going to be just perfect for what my schedule is going to allow in this first year. So, so as a player for the past 11 seasons, and this is your first year not playing, as you transition into sports media and broadcasting, what is something announcers or broadcasters do let's say during an NFL telecast or even on a pregame show that as a player 
annoys you and you'd like to do differently or, or you know, maybe change? I would say the thing that annoys me the most, which is kind of, uh, I'm, uh, I would be a small sample size because there's not many offensive linemen in the NFL that uh, watch football as a, compared to the totality of the people that watch uh, pro football or football on TV in general. But mm. a lot of times, the commentators have a really, really hard time analyzing line play because there's a lot of detail and there's some really, really technical aspects of specifically what linemen do. Right. And so a lot of times when guys that were receivers or quarterbacks, they try to dive down into the weeds and analyze offensive line play, I would say nine times out of ten they are so wrong that it just drives me nuts. <laughs> and uh, thankfully for many people, the only person next to me is, is my wife that I can complain to about it. Right. And uh, I think she's probably sick of hearing me complain about uh, announcers talking about offensive line play by now. So I would say if you don't know what you're talking about, don't try to pretend because those few people that are listening at home that do know what they're talking about with offensive line play are going to be highly offended. It's interesting, too, because I do feel like, you know, I think Tony Romo sort of changed the game a little bit last year in that he was a quarterback who went right from the field into the booth. And you have a lot of ex-quarterbacks um, doing games. But I do think you have – I'm trying to think now at the top of my head here. You have like Collinsworth was a receiver, Aikman quarterback, Romo quarterback, Dan Fouts quarterback. Um, I guess there aren't a ton of offense. I mean, obviously, there's just not a ton of offensive linemen, I guess, calling – NFL games. I know you had, uh, I'm trying to think of like the Fox guys. They've brought in, but they always get like the lesser game. So you don't really, I guess you don't see an offensive lineman calling like the top games each week. Yeah, it's, it is a little bit of a difficult transition because the, the football world is, is strange. You've got the guys that have the ball in their hands. And then you've got the guys that would never have the ball in their hands. And the guys that never would have the ball in their hands are offensive linemen. And what they do is so specialized and so unique. In your entire career, you travel down this strange wooded path that no one else has any idea what you're doing or what you're talking about. And then at the end of your career, you may have played 10 or 12 years in the NFL. But because your position is so specialized, you don't even – pay any attention to what's happened with all the guys that use the football. Right. And most of the people that are listening at home, they want to hear about what's going on with the football, right? Who caught the pass? What was the route they ran? What was the coverage? What was the blitz? Those are all things that offensive linemen hardly have anything to do yeah. with. And so they don't learn anything about. So to be an offensive lineman that can effectively be a communicator as a caller analyst, you had to have developed the other side of your football brain in those meetings and paid attention to what the quarterbacks are talking about. You had to pay attention to what the coverages were, what the blitzes were, what the receivers routes were running. You couldn't just worry so much about your footwork and the different offensive line blocking schemes and how it related to the, the running backs and the tight ends and how they fit in. And so not many guys did that. So I think that's probably why you don't see too much of it, but Consequently, most guys are quarterbacks because as a quarterback, you do see the big picture for the most part. You, you touch just enough on the offensive line techniques as a quarterback and their schemes that you have an understanding and you can talk about it on a broadcast. But you've also developed the passing, the, the handoffs, 
all the stuff that fans commonly want to hear about, that's sort of your expertise as a quarterback. And so I think it's a lot easier for a quarterback to go right into the booth because that's what the, the world was that they've lived in for so long. And so they're basically just continuing their conversations from what their meeting rooms looked like right. into that booth setting. And uh, for offensive linemen, you have to learn whole new terminology. And, yeah, I mean, it's a t- – yeah. I- Quarterback totally brings a different perspective. Offensive linemen obviously would be so much more detailed in explaining what's going on in the trenches. I wonder, you know, part of me thinks, part of me thinks it's the it, it it's not the announcers, but it might be the networks who sort of maybe tell the announcers not to go too hardcore on that because you may lose the fringe fan. But mm-hmm. I don't have any way of knowing that. But that would just be my guess because network executives like to butt in when they don't know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> let let me ask you change change gears here for a sec. I I spoke to uh, Tony Romo last week and I had asked him now that now that sports betting is legalized. I I asked him when he was playing, not as an announcer, but when he was playing, was he aware of what the betting lines were on Cowboys games each week? And he said no. And Mm -hmm. I I I put that on Twitter and no one believed him. And so I texted an NFL guy who who I'm friends with and he said, he definitely does not know the lines when he's going into a game. When you were playing, did you know what the betting lines were when you went into a game? I can't remember one time in my entire career that I ever paid attention to the betting lines. And it's funny because people, people, people who listen to that will not believe yeah. you. It's crazy. Yeah. Here's why. Because especially in the NFL week, you have so much information that you're trying to absorb from meetings and practice and film study that you legitimately just draw a box in your life and anything that doesn't matter, that does not pertain to what you're doing to get ready on Sunday is outside that box. And you don't look at it. You don't think about it. You don't pay any attention to it. You don't read the newspapers. You don't watch sports center. You don't watch highlights that that has nothing to do with your job. So everything that doesn't have any effect on your job, you completely block it out. And betting lines have absolutely nothing to do with what your job is. Right. And so you don't pay one bit of attention to it. All you're worried about is your job and preparing to do your job. And I think the vast majority of players would say the betting line has o- only can be bad if I pay attention to it. I'm either going to get pissed off right. and that's going to affect me negatively if we're a heavy underdog. Or if we're a favorite, I could easily get too confident and think, oh, it's not going to matter. And so either of those two outcomes are bad, and right. so I think most people are smart enough to just ignore it. So the, the feedback I got from fans on this was they some people believe that a, an NFL head coach, maybe during the week in a meeting, will say something like, listen, you know, we're 10-point underdogs this week. Let's show the world we're better than that. Let You know, let's shock the world. And that's maybe the point spread is used as motivation in an NFL locker room. Does that, that never happens, here's, I assume. Here's why that doesn't work. Okay. So so the players are going to be motivated to go out and beat the, the point spread guy? Like, I could understand if, if the opponent you were going against, you know, the high school Harry method is this guy, the bulletin board material. Oh, this guy was talking trash about you. He doesn't think you're any good. He thinks they're going to beat you by two touchdowns, right? Okay, now the coach is going to do the rah-rah. Oh, they don't give you any credit. Those guys over there. But the person that's studying the point spread is some nerd in Vegas. 
Well, you know, that's, I, I don't how know about that. How can you that as motivation, right? I mean, how is that motivation? Well, like, I, I can't have want you to beat the guy that doesn't think I'm any good. I can't have you besmirching the odds makers. We can't have that. They're not <laughs> yeah, nerds. Right. It's all based. All on, right. It's all based on you know. It's based on. They're not just pulling a number out of thin air. I mean, it is based on tangible factors. But I get what you're saying. But it's not about. I don't think it's about beating an NFL team beating the point spread. It's just about. You see how much of an under. I think it's used as more of a motivational thing for underdogs, but I I wouldn't expect an NFL coach to use that either. But that's what some fans out there. That was the feedback I got on it. So. But but I'm saying the reason you're an underdog, according to Vegas, is exactly what you said. It's not he's pulling it out of thin air. It's you've lost six out of the last seven games. Right. You're not good on the road. You're not like those are tangible factors because of what you did, right? Not because somebody's disrespecting you, right? This, this guy has no dog in the fight. He's just. Writing the point spread because well they're trying to make money they're trying what? to get equal amount of money. bets on right. each side yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so th- there's really no motivation if you have any brain from a player standpoint because that's what you your the point spread is what you have created right it's, it's not a, a, somebody doesn't like you or thinks that uh, <laughs> you know they're better than you because they don't like your socks or they don't like your your the way you take a pass set right. no it has nothing to do with it. it and that's why you can't use it as motivation. All right, so let me ask you a gambling question. The Browns, yep. as you well know, last year did not win a game. Zero wins. Yep. This year, right. if you would, the the over-under set by the sports books on the Cleveland Browns' total amount of wins for this season is six, meaning they'd have to win seven for you to win your bet if you bet the over. Um, if you were a betting man, now that you're not in the NFL and it's legal, would you bet over six wins for the Browns this season. So I still have them on the over. I've been saying for a number of months that I think they're going to win eight games. And actually, I think I've, I've followed that line because when I said eight games back in like April or May, people were like, holy cow, I think the line was at five maybe at that time. Yeah, it was five so, and a half for a little five, five and a half, six. So it's actually moved up Yeah, they be- people uh, were betting the over. Yeah, they've yeah. become the darlings for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so – I feel like I should take some of that credit for moving the line because I, I was telling people they should bet it. Uh, well, so, have you, no, ha- I, I definitely think oh, the over for sure. Have you actually bet it? I haven't. You know, okay. I don't have a bookie yet. I, I'm still new to the uh, right. post-retirement game. So I'd love, if you're a bookie, I, I would love to meet with you so we, it, could, uh, we could talk about me putting some bets on my you, Cleveland Browns. You have my email, so just email me when we're done and I'll get you all set up. Don't worry. <laughs> We'll take care. Good, I can yeah. take care of you in five minutes. Um, uh, perfect. So, what? How do you think the quarterback situation is going to play out there in Cleveland? With, uh, you know, you you know this way better than me, but I just how could they keep Baker Mayfield on the bench for too long? I mean, is it a situation where? I mean, I do think though. Tell me if this theory makes any sense. I do think because they did win zero games last year. Um, you know, if if Tyrod Taylor can just even if he's you know two and two after four games or two and three after five games, they're going to stick with him because it's not a complete disaster. But at some point, Baker's got to get in there this year. No, I think conventional wisdom from a media and a fan standpoint is, hey, we've got this shiny new present under the Christmas tree, and we would love to open it up and see everything about it. Yeah, you know, I want to see how fast it goes. Right. I want to see how tight the turns are. I want to see if it can flip. Can it withstand this, right? You want to know what you've got. But the hardest thing to do is to just let that package sit under the tree for a year, even though that might be the best thing for it. And so in this case, 
I think the best thing for Baker, and I think the Browns are really smart in realizing it is, why don't we just let him sit and learn for a year, right? We got we got a pretty good quarterback here in Terod Taylor, and really a lot of times the best thing for the team and the quarterback is just let him sit and learn. You don't need to throw him out to the wolves right away because a lot of times they're going to lose their confidence. And even though they might make some really nice plays when they were out there in preseason or in practice, a game environment is different. And there's a lot of things that you can't prepare for as a rookie. you just got to be able to go through those situations from an experience standpoint, either with the ball in your hand or watching somebody else go through it, that until that happens, you're not really ready to go out and lead a team to a lot of victories. And so I would say barring any unforeseen circumstances, you know, primarily injury or just totally dreaded performance uh, on the Browns' offensive part under Terod Taylor. I just don't see that Baker Mayfield is going to be playing this season. Now, I think he's done a great job so far, but I think what is in his best interest is to sit and watch and learn and develop just the way Aaron Rodgers did and take some of those knocks sitting on the bench watching it in film rather than on the field. And the, the, the last point I'm going to make is, a lot of times when the, the rookie quarterback's in there, the people in that locker room know he's not ready, but nobody else does. And so when you put a guy out there that you, everybody around him clearly knows he's not ready, the confidence in the whole unit goes down and they become deflated. It's like a demoralizing thing. Right. Uh, I've been through it a few times, and it's not a fun situation to be in. And so I think uh, just not putting that rookie out there before he's ready is really important. You want to see what he's got? But don't do it too soon. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of discipline for them to not – not discipline, no but, you know, they're going to hear the noise all year. There's no doubt about that. Well, it is. No, it, it'll definitely take a lot of discipline because, like you said, the fans, the media, everybody wants to see what that new shiny toy looks like. Right. But if you know he's not ready – and the, the, the benefit is they have John Dorsey. He's a guy who did it in Kansas City when Alex Smith was there and Patrick Mahomes was behind him, and he did it in Green Bay when it was Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, he saw how well that worked out. And even though it's hard, even though it's really difficult to sustain and uh, stay down your your train of thought when everybody on the outside is saying, you're an idiot, don't do it. it, It's really hard to have that discipline. But I think if anybody can do it, it's it's John Dorsey. I appreciate the train of thought mention. That's the name of my daily column on us. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was well thought out. (laughs) So before I let you go here, I'm just curious. So this is going to be your first season, like I said, after 11 seasons in the NFL where you're not playing. Um, Are you at total 100% peace with the decision? Do you think you'll miss it? Do you think you'll miss it but you're fine not playing? Do you wish you maybe – you know, everyone's expecting a big year out of the Browns compared to what they've had the last few Mm -hmm. years. It's it's definitely a team on the upswing. Do you wish maybe you were there for this year? What's your mindset now? Because now – you know, it's different when you retired, you know, a few months ago and you're going through the summer. But now here we are the day before. This will come out the day of the first game of the NFL season. You know, do the emotions change now based on how close we are to the regular season starting? Well, I'll just say this. I would still be playing in the NFL if my body was willing. <laughs> if if I had any cartilage left in my knees and my hips <laughs> and my back right. didn't have a bulging disc, I'd be out there on Sunday because I yeah. still love the game. Uh, the paychecks are great, let me tell you. Uh, <laughs> the locker room environment is unlike any else in, in the world. And the Browns, I think, are on the upswing, like you said. I mean, right. this could be – the chance that they go to the playoffs for the first time in, I don't know, 14, 15 seasons. And so I would have loved to have been part of it, no doubt. But I think 
as a man, as a professional, you get to that point in your career where you have to be honest with yourself. When you know that your body cannot withstand the training it takes that's necessary to get yourself to the level you have to be at to play on Sundays where you're not putting yourself or your teammates at risk. And that's just where I was physically. And, you know, I, I squeezed every little bit out of what I had left those last couple of years to be able to play my year 9, 10, 11. And once that was done, you just got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and be honest. And so I feel really at peace about the decision. There's uh, no second thoughts whatsoever because I, I, although I got hit in the head a lot as a football player, <laughs> I can still remember the way that my body felt after yeah. a training camp practice last year or on a Thursday during the season and how I didn't even think I was going to be able to be ready for that Sunday. And uh, so those memories are still fresh in my mind, and, and I think that will help in those moments when I say, man, I wish I could have been out there for right, that right. play. Or, man, I wish I was out there to celebrate that win with the Browns. And then you'll see a guy get injured and you know down on the field, and you'll remember that, and you'll say, "I'm glad I'm on yeah. the couch today." And also, if I'm yeah, not no mistaken, because I think when we were trying to find the day and a time for this, um, you had mentioned your wife is expecting a baby, so you were squeezing this in. It, it, when, when, when's that happening? Do we know when that's happening? Yeah, I, I wish we knew. She's actually overdue as we speak, so oh, any okay. day now we could have a, a baby. We could be rushing to the hospital. I'm glad. We, I hope it's not Sunday at one o'clock. That that that's <laughs> no, right. Any time before Sunday <laughs> at one, right, or after Sunday at four, right? Tell the wife. No doubt, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, hold it in there for a little bit longer, <laughs> honey. I got to watch the Browns. Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you coming on and, and squeezing this in. Best of luck with fatherhood and um, with the NFL Network. The podca podcast has a great name, The Tomahawk Show with Andrew Hawkins. Have you had Baker on the podcast yet? We have, yeah. Okay. Actually, he was a guest when he was still uh, in college, right oh. after he had graduated from Oklahoma. We were at the yeah. Super Bowl. He was making the media rounds. We had him on, and then we had him on again after we drafted him. So uh, he's he's a uh, a big fan of the show and a friend of the show. Oh, that's good. That's good to hear. And um, yeah, so that you got all these good things going on. And oh, and that that's what I wanted to say. I'm over here. My brain went. And also, you're a great follow on Twitter. You you like to mix it up on there. You got in trouble. I get not in trouble, but you cause a nice little kerfuffle with the uh, Cleo Mack reaction. You're on there with LeBron James jerseys and making promises there. So if anyone is not following <laughs> Joe on Twitter. It's always an adventure. I would highly recommend following Joe on Twitter. What, what are you? Do you check your Twitter mentions, or do you stay away from that? That's a good question. Uh, you can follow me at Joe Thomas seventy three. I love interacting with fans. Um, I'm I'm a very sporadic Twitter user. I'll right. I'll be on for you know a week straight, and I'll do a lot of back and forth with fans. I'll engage. I'll throw my hat in the ring. I'll I'll, I'll talk about a certain topics and then sometimes i won't check it for a week or two especially if i'm out of town or if i'm with the family i'll be totally gone um, but then a lot of times like with the khalil maxing i'll maybe make a comment on the situation and i will check the mentions because i want to see what people out there are thinking about the situation because then that gives me an opportunity to engage the fans have a little back and forth and sometimes educate me you know i, yeah. I feel like I can educate a lot of people on my 11 years in the NFL and the things that I've learned during my career, but fans can educate me on their point of view and their perspective oftentimes too, just as much as I can them. It's amazing to see someone have such a positive attitude still about Twitter. It's refreshing to see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Jay, like I said, I appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this. I, I really enjoyed the chat and uh, 
enjoy retirement, fatherhood, and the transition into media. Thanks a lot, Jimmy. I appreciate having me on. All right. Joining me now, he was on just a few weeks ago with his entire cast, but he has a solo show now on the NFL Network, so he comes on the SI Media Podcast solo. My friend Kyle Brandt. Kyle, how are you? Jimmy, when you were doing Hot Clicks, did you have a favorite lovely lady of the day? God. I, Come on. Um, did I have a... I mean, there are probably two or three, yes. Yeah. I couldn't say it was one. It was probably two or three. I did, yes. Any reason for this? There was a young lady who... Uh, I don't remember her name. She is... I think she's Evan Longoria's wife. Oh, yeah. Yes. Jamie Edmondson. And oh, she was... She was one of the one of the three in my brain when you asked me that question, and she <laughs> caused a big ruckus in hot clicks back when I did them from 07 to 2013, when, because yep. I made her the lovely lady of the day for a full week, every day, Monday through Friday. Now, usually yep. that would piss people off because they want something different every day, but Hot Clicks Nation, which was what I called it back then. Yes, I once had a nation. They were very into it. They were very into Miss Edmondson, who is now Miss Longoria. It's funny, dude. I remember that week. <laughs> That's scary. I'm not kidding. I was a huge, a huge nerd for any sports blogs. I still am, and I remember Edmonds week. Um, <laughs> but it, you're finding me right now. Speaking of good weeks, Jimmy, you're getting me right now and a great time. It is 4:50 p.m. Right, and I am driving to my home back from. JFK International Airport. I have just dropped off my wife and my two kids who are going to California for a week. I and <laughs> I'm supposed to be depressed and sad, and I, I am, but like there's a little bit like it's almost like a spring break. As much as I love them, I can go home. I can eat chunky soup out of the can. I can watch Van Damme movies. I can do it in my underwear. It's bachelor week, so I'm in a great mood right now to talk to you, Jay Train. I could literally talk to you for an hour. Just about that <laughs> statement right there. Now wait, wait so so, it's the so so wait a second. Is there any? Was there a connection or a correlation between you asking me about lovely ladies of the day and your wife being away for a week? How dare you, Jimmy? <laughs> were you to suggest that I will spend most of the week clearing the browser history? I would never ever admit to such a thing if that's foul behavior so i'm going to be reading all week you literally started the interview before i even had a chance to say anything about your new show the kyle brand football <laughs> experience on the nfl network friday at six asking me about the lovely ladies of day from hot clicks which i have not done in five years now and then the next sentence you tell me you just put your wife and kids on a plane so there what other what other jump and conclusion could i have possibly made how about those football games this weekend, Jimmy, huh? We All got right. some good ones, don't we? I cannot <laughs> wait to text you about this afterwards. Okay, so wait. So the real reason I, I did ha – so we just heard from Joe Thomas, who was phenomenal, by the way. And yep. um, he said he's going to be doing some work for the NFL Network, so now he's a colleague of yours. And uh, I guess they're announcing that soon, his exact role. And everyone knows Kyle is part of the Good Morning Football cast with Peter Schrager, Kay Adams, and Nate Burleson. And like I said – Go into the archives to listen to that interview because it was great. They came on the SIMED podcast a few weeks ago. But now Kyle branching out, like I said, his own show every Friday, 6 p.m. And then they're replaying it, I guess, on Saturday mornings from the press release that I saw. The Kyle Brandt Football Experience. Hell of a name, by the way, for a show. Why don't you tell everyone what this show is going to be? Okay. I, I think I'm honored to come after Joe Thomas 
feel like he's uh, he's blocking for me. It's like I'm spurging wind <laughs> here. Um, Jimmy, uh, thank you for complimenting the name of the show, Cowbred Football Experience. I feel almost uncomfortable saying it, but it is a cool name after, at least I think it is, after like six months of email and discussions and debates and conference calls with what the name should be. Naming a show, it's, it's, I've named two children that were way easier. Uh, naming a band is easier. Whatever it is, naming a show is difficult. But Kyle Brandt football experience, it sort of feels like my wife thinks it sounds like Prince and the new power generation or Gloria Stefan and the Miami Sound. She goes on forever. But this is what the people <laughs> like. This is what we arrived on. And I can tell you this, Jimmy. Good, bad, otherwise, still figuring that out. I can guarantee you it's going to be very different. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different, uh, sound different. It is basically me, not basically, it is explicitly me in an active working control room, like 50 different monitors, uh, 5,000 different buttons in, me, in front of me, mashing them, doing retro stuff, doing highlights, everything from Jerry Rice to Jerry Glanville to Jim Brown to Antonio Brown. It is, uh, we kind of like uh, look forward to... Um, the week in the NFL, and then we look back on our lives in the NFL. There's a huge nostalgia note to it. I like that. And a lot of retro, and everybody loves that. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, 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 the peg of when, you have, when we have on somebody join us, like a guest or somebody comes by, the first question is going to be, what's the play? What was your first? And what that means is, like, what was the first play? I remember in the game of the player, what was the first play you remember that you were like, wow, football is incredible? This, this, I think I'm in for life on this. Like for me, I was six years old at Super Bowl 20, and Refrigerator Perry scored a touchdown against the Patriots, and I had the GI Joe action figure then, and bench sheets and everything. So that's everybody's first question, and then eventually we'll get to how the games this weekend and how cool is Todd Gurley. But everybody loves retro. Everybody loves what they watched growing up, and since we have the entire vault of the NFL films. We nice. have every play in every game ever. Very We're going nice. to flex the half the hell out of it, and I think it's going to be fun, man. So is it just you, or will you have guests, or is it just Kyle solo? It's mostly just me, okay. and we will have guests, but we won't have interviews. What okay. I mean by that is, you know, Jimmy, at this point in our lives, like, we've watched so many years of sports television that even the best, most creative sports shows the interviews get formulaic. They do. And sometimes I'm good morning football for me. Like, you welcome them in, you have the icebreaker, you talk about what you're doing, blah, 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 current events, headlines, and tell us about the work you're doing with the Ender's sponsor here. We're not going to do that. When we have guests come on the show, we're just going to hang. They're going to hang out. They're going to do this segment with me. We're going to talk about what they're into about football, it's their favorite player growing up, on and on. And then whatever right. segments we have planned, whatever dads, bits, whatever, they're just going to do it along with us. So, right. and they're going to have comics. I think we're going to have. Analysts, like meaning like uh, broadcaster types, mm-hmm. and we're going to do it differently. We're not going to have insert X player here who happens to be in New York and is doing some great work with Wrigley Spearman Gum. Those shows are great. <laughs> That's right. not how it's going to go. Nobody on plugging their bucks. I don't know. Not yet. We'll wait till episode two, and maybe I'll be desperate for them. I love the retro angle. I I dare anyone who's in our age range. Let's say even I don't know. Let's say thirty five and over to go on yep. YouTube. And search for, you know, the NFL Today opening, you know, 1980s. And you hear that old CBS NFL Today music, Brent Musburger, you are looking live. Yep. I dare you to yep. watch that and not get pumped up. Jimmy, you, you are, what you're saying just injected into my veins. This is exactly, I was really involved in like, 
and everything about this show, from like the graphics to the show open to everything. And there was the coolest call that I got, and I want you to participate in this with me. Sure. I got this call, and they said, all right, in the opening sequence, when we run the title and we run all this, like, how do you want it to look? And I'm like, there was a period in my life for a good decade where you could not have a football game on TV without an animation of two helmets smashing together and exploding. And if you didn't have that, sometimes you had a shot of a satellite in orbit, you know, right. sending a lightning bolt down. Right. I said, I want some of that in this show. Give me helmets exploding. Give me a satellite. And then they said to me, we want to put some game clips in the, in the opening sequence, which is 20 seconds long. Can you pick out five plays from your life and just five moments in the NFL that really define your fanhood growing up? So I sat there looking at a blinking cursor. I just think, what are the five plays that I have loved the most in the history of my NFL fanhood? Right. And I came up with it. Like if, if someone said that to Jimmy Trainer. Growing up, five years old to right now, and you had to pick out some plays like, "Oh, this play meant a lot to me. This play was incredible." Can you? Is anything pop to mind? I, I mean, with the NFL, I, you know, if you gave me the Yankees, I could do it in five seconds. The NFL, I mean, I remember, I my first memory, I remember heartbreak, the Jets losing a playoff game in Cleveland um, with a field goal. I think Gastineau had a fifteen-yard. Uh, penalty and it was a, a terrible loss. That's like the first thing that sticks out that I remember. Um, in terms of play, I mean specific plays. Um, you know, I I don't know How about, about Jumbo Elliott on Monday Night Football catching the touchdown for Benny Testaverde. I get the Dolphins. That was, I mean, I was old, a little old. Like I remember, I mean, I think of the '86 Jet season when Kenny O'Brien was basically like you yeah. know lighting it up every week, and then they you know. Um, I'll tell you, I got one, you know, I'm so into the media stuff and the announcers. Yeah, sure, I, I, that counts. I'll give you, I, I, I'll never forget this as long as I live. Parcells, he had left the Giants, um, and it was before he got back with the Patriots, and he was doing games on NBC with Marv. And the Jets were playing a team, I forgot who it was, and a player got injured, I forgot who it was. But <laughs> back in those days, they would bring out, like, the bullpen cart that they used to have in Major League Baseball, like it would be the helmet cart, would come out to get the player who's basically yep. dead on the yep. ground. And Parcells goes on this rant like, you know, here you have this guy, he's 325 pound offensive lineman, tough as could be, and they bring out the, they bring out this cart to put him on, and it looks like a helmet, and it's embarrassing, and you know, and Marv being the great Marv pauses for like three or four seconds, and all of a sudden he just goes, uh, Bill. Not liking the Jetmobile. And I remember <laughs> I remember laughing for about 20 minutes straight when I heard Marv do that. So, like, I have... This is great. It's just weird, you know, but um, the first... I'm trying to remember the first... I remember the Super Bowl Raiders Redskins with Marcus Allen going nuts. Yeah. Um, you know, those are the... See, like, Jimmy, the this memories. is the point. Yeah. This, this rabbit hole that you are careening down into... This is what we're going to try to do every Friday at 6 o'clock. It, 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 people start thinking about 1986 game they watched, 1996, 2006, right. and immediately you're transported, you love it, you're liking what you see. We're going to put you down that rabbit hole while still talking about, oh, and by the way, in two days, uh, you know, Matt Ryan versus Cam Newton or whatever it is. So it's a huge part of it, and everybody, like guys like us, our age range type of thing, Started talking about your favorite team of junior high, favorite team of high school, and right. Uh -huh. all right. 
I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm definitely, if, especially if you whip out those old highlights and, um, yeah, those old time graphics. I, I love that. I love that. We got them, dude. The, the perfect graphics. I describe it like this. It's a little bit of we're making the show as it's happening. It's a little bit of the retro. So the show is, it's a piece of Good Morning Football with some George Michael sports machine. There's a reference. a little Larry Sanders and oh. just a touch of Tales from the Crypt. That's the show. <laughs> are, you, are you Larry Sanders in this equation? No, I'm the Crypt Keeper. Okay. I, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So you will. So like what? Half the show retro. Half the show on that week's games. Is that what you're thinking about? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think so. And it's like, listen, it's still Friday at six o'clock. And I don't know about you, Jerry, but Friday at six o'clock. I don't care what it means from a TV perspective. I'm talking about that time because that is the perfect time in the week for me. For guys like me, it is. The work week is over. Right. The whole week weekend is in front of you. Like Friday at six o'clock is like that's Miller time, man. That's <laughs> give me a whiskey, give me some pad pie, give me my DGR. The kids are falling asleep. I don't have kids. My wife wants to go tonight. Whatever it may be, Friday at six o'clock is an awesome, happy time. Right. And so I'm thrilled that that's when the show's. Are they are they going to replay that later in the night? On like to me also like to me that would be a perfect Friday night. Like eleven PM, eleven thirty show as well. Like they should replay it. I agree. That night. I agree. I remember when they first told me it was gonna be Friday night and everything, I was like my first reaction was one that I should have had like ten years ago. I was like, All right, so dude, we're gonna be the cool show and it's gonna be energetic and it's gonna be the shows you watch before you go out to the bars with your boys and then I was like, Hold on. That's totally disingenuous. This is also for the guy who doesn't go out to the bar with his boys. The guy right. who's passing out on the couch at eight fifteen because he's exhausted. Right. That's me. Like yeah. face down in Indian food with like a half drink <laughs> IPA in front of me. That guy yeah. loved this show. I would. I mean, my my. Listen, uh, half the people are listening to get pissed off, but I don't care as always because I hate Trump. My Friday night ten o'clock is Bill Maher every Friday ten o'clock yeah. HBO Bill Maher. Sure. I would love ten to eleven Bill Maher eleven. Kyle Brandt, that would be like the perfect trend. And then, you know, then you f- fall asleep, pass out, and you wake up, and you watch college football all day. So is the show going to be 30 minutes or 60 minutes? 30 minutes, man. Okay. It is quick. It would, I mean, with commercials, think about it. You know, yeah, the normal fast. show, we do three-hour show in the morning live, right. and then it's really a six hours that they repeat at the morning football. This is 21 minutes of content, So, and I feel like I'm packing three hours in. So I'm going to be – shot out of a cannon like on uppers on the show it's gonna be wild uh, I, 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 it's funny you say that because what i wanted to ask you and i i, I would like yeah. i'd actually like a serious answer on this because I, I am a, right. i watch good morning football and i especially the last two days i've watched it there was a day last week i think where you're doing the fantasy t- how do you have this energy I don't know. When, like, when do you get like, when when do you do you like when the show is over at 10 a.m. Are you yeah. exhausted or are you exhausted like in the middle of the afternoon or at night when you go to bed? There has to be a time where like you come crashing down because you're always at a tent. Yeah, that's that's only on the air, though, dude. Like I get home and if you were to come to my my house at 4 p.m., you can't get a word out of me. Okay. <laughs> I'm All sitting right. there right. like like Al Bundy, like hand down the sweatpants, sitting down on the couch with my kids running circles around me. It's just there's something about it that, you know, in that good morning football show, we all bring different things to the table. 
part of my responsibility to that table is to light a fire under it. And especially if I feel like, you know what, this feels like kind of a stock segment. The four of us are sitting here talking about the Ravens, and I'm bored out of my eyes. <laughs> I will scream something or get up and run around the table physically. It's just, you're I feel a, like if I'm not doing that on that show, I'm not doing my job. Well, you're a performer. You're a performer. I try to be. You are. And I, I, I don't know, maybe because, you know, I stroll into work. It's like 8.30, 8.45. I've, re- I've already yep. been up for like two hours with my commute. I put on Good Morning Football, and you're just jumping around and bouncing around. And I'm just like, I, I don't, I'm like, I have, I, I need like, <laughs> like drink my coffee. And you're flying all over Times Square, basically. So it is, I, I'm sure the answer to this question is no. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but I have to ask since I am a degenerate. Will, there be, will there be any gambling talk on the Kyle Brand football experience? Now that it's legal, I could do it if I want to. I, I I am not a gambling guy. There are certain things, and I mean that honestly. I just I don't make bets. I don't have a bookie. There are certain things that that people like us do that we just don't hit them all. Like right, right. I play a little golf. I do fantasy football. I watch Game of Thrones, all that. But I don't play poker, and I don't make bets. On sports, I, I I just have never been that person. I I, I didn't check that box. What, you got your boxes, I'm sure that you missed. Not just something right. that dudes like you do that you're just not into. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't I watch. Yeah, like I don't watch Game of Thrones. I don't do. Any, I don't do any. I don't do any sci-fi anything. Like I don't do Harry Potter. I don't do Game of. Right. Like I need to watch things that have human beings and people and not. Whatever these other things are supposed to be. You don't want like hobbits? No. And, no. You know, I mean, like I, uh, dementors? No. No. <laughs> I need people. I need to I need to be able to like put myself in the scenario or you know, situation that I'm watching. So like yeah, th- those things I are respect that, Jimmy, because sometimes you tell people one might tell someone, I don't watch Game of Thrones or I don't bet on sports and they're so personally offended and they're so belittling of you. As a character, they get so well, mad. I will say but this. I don't care if you don't watch the, yeah. you know, to the Two Towers or Return of the King. It's fine. Well, no, I wouldn't get mad at someone if they didn't bet on sports because that means they're smart and with their money. So I would respect anyone who says they didn't bet on sports. The TV stuff, listen, I am a complete and utter hypocrite because if I tell someone I don't watch Game of Thrones, they rant and rave, and I'm like, what do you give a shit what I watch? It has no bearing on your life. Right. But if I hear that someone hasn't watched The Sopranos or Seinfeld, I flip out. So- I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> I have a coworker well, here. I have I a coworker do, here I, who has never seen Seinfeld. Like not a single episode. Not now. He's young. He's 23 or 24. I was get his major. Daniel Rappaport. He's like 23 or 24. He asked me once about a month ago, "Who's George Costanza?" I was not only disgusted and personally offended, but uh, you know, like that should be a federal offense. Yeah, but I, I bet he knows all about Jake Paul, huh? That's more important. Well, he, well, who knows? And what, yeah, like I can't relate to whatever's going on today with you know people that age. So, but you know what, Jimmy, the, the gambling thing. I, I was thinking about this. In a way, I am. I make huge bets on sports because the ultimate gamble is to go on live television and say, "I'm telling you right now that the Falcons are going to win this weekend, and here's why." Because when you do that, like. Your reputation, your credibility is out That's... there, and you just get destroyed if the Falcons lose. So you can have somebody chasing his first half under that he puts 80 bucks on. I will take my entire career integrity and reputation 
throwing in with the Philadelphia Eagles, whose MVP quarterback just blew his knee out, still saying they'll win the Super Bowl. That's the gamble. That's a terrible answer, but I'll let it slide because I like you. <laughs> you think that's soft as hell? Yeah, no, 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 don't listen. <laughs> don't compare. Don't compare that to what betting is. I will. T- no, that's a terrible answer. For, terrible answer. <laughs> All right, let Fine. me let let's end on a high note. You just you did okay. the last Bears exhibition game. Yeah. And I know that was like a life that was is it, after your kids would you say that's your the top highlight of your life or is it like a top 10? Yeah, it's top 10. I don't know. I've done some pretty cool stuff. All right. Today. But how how <laughs> how how is that experience for you? Did you love every second of it? Did, right, do you have so, did it give you fever to do play by play like down the road? Was that is that something you'd want to do? Yeah, I think I was. I mean, long story short, I had I the Bears called me in May, just like the Chicago Bears, and they said it's our last preseason game. It's actually our fifth preseason game we've seen before. They don't exactly rate. They don't blow up. We're gonna try something different. We'd like you to call the game. I said to them, "You understand? Never on any level, any level, have I ever called a game. I've never done. Never mind play by play. I've never been color commentary in the football game." A high school game, let alone Soldier Field, Bears, Bills. They said, it's fine. We just want you to do something different. Just host the Bears podcast while the game is going on. It's all these guys who probably want to make the game. Don't worry about it. So I go to Soldier Field in my hometown, and I sit there with two other professionals. And I, Jimmy, it was crazy. Like, people, I think people sit at home, and we've all wondered if we watch sports, what is it like to do that? Like, could I do it? Could I not do it? Right. It's very hard, it's very fast, and it's not like you think. You're, you're crowded by people. There's a, there's a guy called a spotter right. who sits right over your right shoulder. There's another, on your left shoulder, there's another person who doesn't speak called a statistician handing you things, and then there's two people between you and your color guy, and you've got a game going on that's so fast, you don't know who the hell recovered the fumble, let alone who fumbled it. It's pain with dizzy. Those guys... The Bucks, the Tricos, and Collinsworth, I don't care if you hate them, you can't stand them, or you actually love them. Right. They are really talented people. They're really good at that stuff because it's hard. Yeah, and I think I think what you said there that's interesting that I don't think any fan would understand is is the speed and how fast they're you know and, you know you're doing the game but then you have to work in the commercials the live reads the promote the promos the plot you know it's it's not just calling the game there's a lot of technical stuff that goes into it. Yeah, man, and just listen. It's the, it was the preseason game. Right. I, I got to talk about right, you know, right. Tyler Bray and uh, uh, Taquan Mizell. This is right. not sitting there and saying Brady throws to Gronkowski and it's Keekly on the tackle. Like, right. You don't know the players. You don't know anything about them. You studied, but it's hard. I got to live out this weird, like, Charlie Bucket dream of going to the chocolate factory and, man, it was nuts. I wish every fan, I wish you, I wish anybody who watches football could just have one drive of sitting there calling play-by-play yeah. and try not to sound stupid because it's man, I, I wish I had something more complex than it's hard, but it is so hard. Yeah, and I, I'm so yeah. impressed with those guys. Well, I'm glad you got that opportunity. That's very cool. Very cool. And uh, thanks, man. Another great opportunity: the Kyle Brandt Football Experience Friday, 6 p.m. on the NFL Network, and then they're replaying it Saturday morning. I don't know the exact time, but I'm sure if you file file. Follow Kyle on Twitter. You'll get all that information. All right. I appreciate it. I Looking forward to the show. Definitely going to check it out. And, uh, well, I'll get you back on here, you know, deeper into the season for a much like much lengthier chat. We'll have to get Schrager on as well. I, I'm sure he's feeling snubbed. I hope he is. I hope he is. <laughs> Jim, Jim, what, what, when are the Friday, white... 
September 14th. That's it. You are my favorite podcast. I do not end every podcast by saying that. You're my guy. Thank you for having me. That's I'm going to go pleasure. check out old hot clicks. When, when, no, no, check. You have to check out train of thoughts. What? That's where, that's where I get, that's where my bread is butter now. Train of thoughts. Is okay. Where, I mean. where are you? Um, when are the wife and kids back? Like eight days from now. Right? Right. I think they're home uh, like a week from tomorrow. All right. Enjoy the hub. <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> All right. Take care. My thanks to Kyle Brandt and Joe Thomas for coming on today, the SI Media Podcast. Gotta love the energy of Kyle Brandt and Joe Thomas. Very, very interesting stuff there. Oh, very, very enjoyable when an ex-player gives you insight that you didn't know. So hopefully you guys enjoyed Joe Thomas as much as I did. All right. We will see you next week. As of now, I hate always I always hate plugging. But as of now, scheduled for next week on the SI Media Podcast is Gus Johnson. So I'm looking forward to that. So please subscribe if you have not. And it also helps tremendously if you leave a review and um, a rating. So please do that. All right. We'll see you next week. Take care. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network? The number one daily sports podcast network. Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.